G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode 76 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thanks very much for joining in. Relationships, um, we've probably all been in one or still in one or (laughs) been in and out of them. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of us unsuccessfully, I guess, uh, they're saying that 60% of marriages end up in divorce. So um, it's probably uh, very timely that we have a gentleman by the name of Brett Jones uh, coming along for a chat who's a relationships expert, basically, and talks a lot about the male and the male ego and um, how we sort of don't really understand ourselves and so forth. And that sort of can be... Uh, uh, detrimental to relationships and we can get frustrated and all the issues and so forth that go along with that and um, Brett and his partner are really passionate about this particular space and being able to try and provide uh, content and information to, to, to people, men and women out there on how to strengthen their relationship and just understand that uh, men and women think differently primarily and um, we just can't uh, think that our partners uh, think the way that we do you know and I've had a relationship and uh, I've had a few, but um, you know, my marriage um, uh, failed. And uh, yeah, I guess if I have known some of the things that I know now and I've had have been connected with guys like Brett, then uh, maybe my uh, self-awareness would have been different. And um, I've said uh, many times on this podcast that we, we come into adult life and we're sort of uneducated around um, these sorts of things, you know, being a father, being a husband and, and all that as well. So... It's really, uh, really good that uh, Brett has got, um, you know, the, the skills and wisdom to be able to share with us and, uh, and that can have a profound effect on how we manage our own health, but also we manage our, our mental health and so forth into our marriage and into our own personal lives with regards to understanding our ego and how that actually works. And Brett is a, um, a subject matter on that particular topic, so or a sub- subject expert, I should say, on that particular po- topic, so he's really... Uh, Wise in that area, he's written a, a book called Awaken uh, around that and some other articles and so forth and documents and uh, books and so forth as well, which I'm sure we're going to hear about. So really appreciate you joining in. I uh, just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, Green Organic Superfoods, really good to supplement uh, what we're missing out in our diets, which can have an impact on our physical and mental health. So please check them out, greennutritionals.com.au and also Pure Life sprouted bakery who make uh, organic sprouted breads that are available all around australia so really good for our gut health and when our gut health working well our mental health works well so really something uh, to consider if we're not uh, firing on all, all cylinders maybe our gut's selling something, something to us and we're not uh, not getting the most out of our, uh, our potential so please uh, check out their website purelifebakery.com.au all right let's uh, all right all right all right Listen to Brett and I going at it, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Brett Jones, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for having me, mate. Really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. So let's let's get into it, buddy. Awesome. I, you know, I think I first connected with you about five years ago, six years ago when I was in Hobart, and you sent me your book called Awaken, and um, I, I was I, I was like really intrigued but I was I was confused about it because I never really understood the ego as much as what I do now you know so um so it was probably uh, a good timing but now I'm so much more aware that I can actually interpret it so we'll talk a bit about uh, that as we go on mate but um yeah really grateful uh, for you spending some time to have a chat to me and, and the guys and girls out there that are listening into this and you know, I reckon um, the the subject of relationships is such a topical thing because most of us are listening to this are either in one or have been in one, so to be able to understand that a bit better. But can you give us a bit of an idea of Brett Jones, where you came from, your schooling, your upbringing, and sort of how you got into what you're doing now? Well, mate, if I if I went into all that, it would probably use up the full hour. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, yeah. so uh, let let me give you a quick uh, brief brief summary. So. Um, I think like a lot of people, you know, I came out of school, wasn't quite sure, you know, what I wanted to do and somehow fell into doing some uh, some property stuff and um, started uh, as a residential property manager looking after residential homes, you know, doing the inspection, uh, renting them out for landlords and, and that sort of stuff. And then seemed to have a bit of a penchant for, um, for marketing and went into office leasing, leasing out office space. Got really good at it, uh, made a lot of money. 
um, and then decided I should uh, strike out on my own. And I set up my own development company, um, building, I basically found a little formula, which was find a good site, um, well, find a tenant, find a good site for that tenant, combine the site and the tenant, find someone with money, put the three of the things together, develop it and sell it before you start mm. and lock in your profit. And uh, I went pretty quickly from uh, age 23. So I started in real estate when I was 19. Age 23, had my own company. Uh, I was a multimillionaire by the age of 25 uh, and had a $400 million company by the age of 28. Shit. So a uh, pretty meteoric uh, rise and then um, hit the recession in the early uh, 1990s and pretty much lost it all uh, by age 30 and then had to, uh, to rebuild not only uh, my wealth, but uh, I lost, unfortunately, lost my marriage at the same time, which was pretty devastating to me. Mm. You know, you get to see your family uh, every second weekend, and that's not much fun for any man, because um, you don't just lose your wife, but as a man, you lose, you lose your family as well, which, mm. you know, for us guys is, um, is pretty much what the game is really all about, is about family. Mm. So um, then I had to rebuild, and... Uh, I did. I um, started back in property again and uh, started selling. Then I did some little developments and stuff. Uh, made, made a lot of money. Uh, met my beautiful wife, Marie, who I've been married to now for 27 years. And um, we, we quit working and went sailing around the world for three and a half years, um, which was not only a fantastic experience, um, as well as a uh, sometimes very uh, frightening one. But um, we got back and um, three and a half years away, sitting on a yacht, sailing across oceans, looking up at the, the stars and uh, the Milky Way in a, in a brightness that you probably, you know, most of the time never see it uh, like that. Yeah. Had plenty of time to think, contemplate, um, look at life, think about what life is about, write books. And when I got back... Um, I wanted to start up a company that helped people, mm. um, help them in terms of their own life because I'd done a, a course after I lost uh, everything. I fortunately ended up doing a personal development course which had a massive uh, impact on my life and uh, wanted to sort of, you know, share that with other people. So we started up um, our company, which is now called Relationship Warriors, uh, back in... Um, 2000, 2001, in fact. Mm. So we've been doing it now for about 20 years. And uh, that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing, Aaron. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mate, you've had, you've had a shitload of money and you lost it, which is hard to believe. But uh, certainly I, I understand that. But um, it's just, yeah, isn't it amazing how life turns out for us? You know, if you had have not been in that situation, obviously... You know, I believe, I always say before you say I love you, you first must understand I. So you got into a marriage with someone you probably didn't really know that well and you didn't know yourself that well. And, you know, that, that sort of split up. And, um, you know, we go through all these, like, peaks and troughs in life before we sort of stabilise. And it sounds to me like ever since uh, you and your wife got together, you've been pretty stable. Yeah, absolutely. I think I realised there and then um, that I needed more skills, than uh, I had to be able to uh, maintain what I now call a kingdom, mm. uh, meaning my entire life. So I was a, a one- or two-dimensional guy. You know, I had a black belt in karate, and uh, I was very fit, um, and I was good at business, but that's about it, you know. Mm. When it came to my family, I was certainly dedicated, um, you know, I love my kids, mm. but my main focus was work. Yeah. And I think a lot of men can relate to that. You know, over the, the millennia, we've been conditioned, particularly after World War One and World War Two, to just focus on production, just focus on work. And I thought that would be enough. You know, I, I was putting all my energy into that. And I love my kids and I love my wife. Yeah. But um, I didn't realise that that wasn't enough and I needed more skills. Yeah. So I set about after that gaining those skills to be able to maintain a relationship. Um, and clearly, I think, you know, after 27 years, not only are we together, but, you know, we're, we're still madly in love with each other. Yeah. So I think that that's certainly an achievement. Yeah, absolutely. I and guess... certainly something... Okay. 
Sorry, mate. I, certainly, uh, you know, that's something I'd like to see and I'm very passionate about for other men as well that, um, you know, I see so many guys getting divorced and it's just so unnecessary. Mm. Oh, absolutely, mate. I, I, I was one of them. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I never understood. Like, you just explained my, my sort of uh, life there in a nutshell. Like, everything was in work. I was going home. When I was at home, I was so buggered, I'd fall asleep and, you know, I'd just keep repeating because I just thought I was in that provider mode and, and that was it. That was my job. And I lost all the connection yep. and so forth with, with all the uh, all the good things. And, um, yeah, it sort of brings a tear to my eye to talk about that too. But, uh, you know, I never had the skills to be able to manage that and work kept pushing you because uh, you were producing, you know. Um, yeah. I guess... And you, think, and you think that's enough. You think that's, you know, what you need to do and, and she's happy. And But then, you know, you, you go through stages in a relationship and... Um, Initially, it's great. You're in the honeymoon romancing period. Then you move into uh, what I call the distraction period, which is where you're now distracted onto kids or work and you start slowly growing apart until one day you wake up and you wonder, wow, how, how did we get here? You're like, we're not connected anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand. And I think, um, pardon me, you, you sort of spoke about post, or oh, sorry, World War One and Two. but I think there was like 10% divorce rate um, before all that and that increased just after. Now, now we're up to like 60% divorce rate. Is that right? Yeah, mate, you've obviously been reading my material, so, so <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. yeah, look, um, most of us don't realise the demographic change that happened then. So prior to World War One, there was a 10% divorce rate. Mm. Immediately after World War Two, there was a 40% divorce rate. And something quite massive happened in that, like, 90% of men uh, in, in working age were away at war. Mm. So the women at home really had to step up and take care of everything, like everything from the kids to paying the bills to looking after the house. And then they went out and worked in the factories um, building the war machine. Mm. So women were overwhelmed at home. The guys came back with what we would now call PTSD, which, you know, we never had a term for it back then. But men came back different. Mm. They came back um, with trauma. Yeah. And they came back with a reduced capacity to deal with everything. Mm. Mm. And that had a very profound effect at home. So she saw that, so she just kept doing what she was doing, taking care of everything, and his reduced capacity, so he just focused on survival and focused on work. Mm. And we jumped from, <clears throat> we then jumped from a 40% divorce rate to, yeah, up around 60% now if you include de facto relationships. And most of that is around the dynamic of women feeling now uh, completely under pressure and feel like emotionally they're handling everything mm. and men feeling like, um, well, I'm, I'm doing what I think I need to do um, because now the game's changed. You know, the world of 1950, 1960, that model of being a producer doesn't work in 2021. Now as men, we're meant to... Um, take out the rubbish, look after her emotions, understand her emotionally, uh, know where our kids are emotionally, be able to deal with that, help them with their maths, um, fix the house, work, work out, watch her diet. Oh, my God, like it's just yeah. full on. Mm. And most guys are like, forget it, man. I, I, all I can focus on is work. Mm. And that's what most guys do. So she ends up being emotionally starved um, of what she needs, because there are, there are differences, you know, that we just don't recognise between men and women. Culturally, after the 1960s, we're equal, and so we should be. We are equal, and that we can do the same things. But emotionally, we're very, very different, Aaron. You know, women use 28,000 words per day, men use 7,000 on average. Mm. So that's four times as many words. She uses words to de-stress. We don't talk to de-stress. Mm, mm, amazing. Amazing, man. And, and, like, how do you overcome that dynamic, right? She wants to talk and use all these words, and he's at full capacity after coming home from work. That's it. That's all I can cope with. Mm, and we want to be quiet to, to not talk to de-stress, and yet she needs to dump all these words. Yeah, it's, it's ringing in my ears. Mate, 
you know, there's so much that's just come out of that uh, that that conversation just just there. But like, you know, you think about it, like those those guys that came back to war, our grandparents or parents, they had trauma. Yeah. That trauma came into our our lives. That trauma's absolutely gone, got, that trauma's gone from our lives into our kids' lives, and it's probably, absolutely mate. probably gone into our marriages and then our workplace and uh, and all that as well. <laughs> Totally, it was passed down. So that baby boom generation modelled that behaviour and then the next generation has modelled that as well. Mm. But that model does not work in 2021. And it's now got to a point where it's completely dysfunctional and is not working for us as men. You know, the reality is we we came from Gallipoli stock. We came from men that stood at Lone Pine in rows of 100 uh, across a machine gun field and one row after another went out there and knowing they were going to die because they were going to do that for country and family. Mm. That's the stock we came from. And, and what we've forgotten is, and this is just so true now, Aaron, there's an animal inside of us as men. And that animal is now politically incorrect. Mm. And so we suppress that animal. We suppress who we are as men, we suppress our certainty as men to be able to expand our capacity and and handle everything. And the animal doesn't need to be suppressed. The animal needs to be tamed Mm. by us as men. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And put to good use as men in a good way inside our families, inside our kingdoms, so we can step up as men and create for our families what we know we want to. But if we keep living a life of suppression, if we keep living a life that the culture says we should live, I tell you, Aaron, we've got a massive problem in this country because, as you said, we're passing it down to our boys and we're passing down a formula for a divorce. Mm, that's, yeah, that's really well said, Brett. I hadn't really considered it like that. But, um, yeah, look, uh, you, you've just explained my life too, suppressing it uh, for so long and then... And then coming out of it, taming it, taming it through the physical body, and then meditation and so forth, and keeping that that is yeah your equilibrium. But you look at the World War Two guys; they were going to six o'clock closing, drinking as much booze as they possibly could in a short period of time, going home, falling asleep, and doing it again. And then on the weekends, we'll be arguing, and um, and then you know beating the kids up, and that trauma is getting, um, you know, taken into their bodies, and all of a sudden it's coming into their kids' bodies, and we're in, in this vicious cycle because of a, uh, a life experience or an event that was, um, you know, inhumane in many ways. Absolutely. But the good news is, as men, we can learn to, <clears throat> once again, expand our capacity to deal with everything that we need to deal with. See, we've, we've been lied to by the culture. We've been lied to by that conditioning that we can't handle everything. And, you know, what I take great joy in is seeing when men are able to step up, learn how to expand our capacity to deal with her, to deal with her emotions, to know how to take all those words on Mm. without getting drowned by them or without, you know, getting overwhelmed by them. Mm. And, you know, my wife's no different. Um, You know, she wants to use lots of words, but I find now that I can absorb all those words, I can take those words on, listen to her, give her the attention that she needs. Because, you know, what I've learnt now is that from a, um, a scientific point of view, you know, when I do that uh, and when I can get into um, the right state, so one of the things we, uh, you know, I talk about a lot, Aaron, is that um, when we try and go and do something, strategy is 20% of what we do, 80% is the state from which we do it. And as men, if we're in a state of certainty or what I call the masculine state, then our testosterone levels go up by 40%. Mm -hmm. And that's a medical fact. That's a medical fact. And we wonder why, like, men's sperm count is down, you know, 50% over the last 100 years Mm -hmm. because our testosterone levels are also down overall. Because most of us are not in that certain state anymore as men. Mm. That we doubt our capacity, we doubt what we can achieve, and we doubt what we can do. And the reality is we can do do so much more. And when we do that, and we're in an intimate relationship with a woman, 
her oxytocin levels, which is the connector hormone, makes her feel connected to us, goes up by 30% automatically. Mm. Automatically. Unbelievable, mate. I never look that, that that's amazing to to to, to know. And, and I guess if we have an issue with that, we suppress it or we go and get a, a chemical enhancement to support getting it corrected again. But if we actually like to understand the reason, then we can correct it ourselves. Mate, as I said before, you know, I think for, for men, when you really sit down and, and talk to them at this level that we're talking uh, and find out, you know, how devastating divorce is for them, there, there is nothing that um, is worse for a guy than knowing that he's not connecting with his wife, that he's not making her happy, that he's not stepping up as the father that he wants to be. Mm. And when we feel like that, when we go into that distraction period where we just start to focus on work and we don't realise we're losing that connection, mm. invariably where men go to is some form of addiction, yeah. whether that's a substance or alcohol or porn um, or sex or strippers or whatever it might be as men we go to that place to substitute for the pain that we experience as not being able to step up inside our families the way that we want to and we know we can mm. and i see far too many men going to suicide or you know other ways of ending their pain that is just not necessary mm. yeah amazing well we we don't have the self-awareness around that do we 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 don't have the emotional intelligence to be able to to see where, where where we're at. So when we when we have uh, some trauma, for example, if something comes along in our life and it doesn't align, why is yep. that thought happening? Like why do we go into retreat and, and we need to be able to ask our question, ourselves questions, where does that thought come from? Is it something that I, I uh, that I believe in or is it something that was passed on to me? You know, and uh, if you can do that and question it, um, and actually, like, sit, think of it as being well. Um, you know, is it me or is it someone else's idea? You know, can I can I deal with this and manage with this differently? Um, they're the sorts of tools that I think we can actually do to help realign our thinking and correct the our default setting. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think Plato Plato said it best. You know, life unexamined is not worth living. So, mm. as men, you know, as kings, as I like to, you know, call us, mm. um, when we can stop and pause, and sometimes, like in my case, uh, and perhaps yours too, Aaron, uh, you know, there's there's something that happens in our life. We we mess it up massively, and there's a lot of pain, and that pain forces us to to examine our life, to have a look, and go well. How did I end up here? How did, how did I get to this place? Instead of going down that suppression uh, route or addiction route, if we can just stop for a moment and start asking that question, how, how did I end up in this place? And where, where did that come from? Mm. So what I've got to see is that um, over the years, uh, this conditioning comes from three things. It comes from culture. You know, the country that we grow up in, uh, when, if you grow up in China, it's very different to growing up here in Australia. Mm. Um, it comes from the role models that we've had, principally, obviously, parents, but sometimes grandparents, aunties, uncles, teachers have a big impact in our life and we model them, uh, rightly or wrongly. And then events that happen to us mm. uh, can impact us as well. And it makes us start to live a pattern of behaviour rather than as free-thinking uh, responsible uh, men mm. and when we examine it from the right place that's where the freedom comes that we can start to free ourselves from that conditioning and, and enable us to live the life that we know we're capable of living mm. instead of just submerging ourselves into the pain it's interesting when something goes wrong how we sort of go back to a like a default setting and I've been noticing, yeah, isn't it? yeah, 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 absolutely, and and like when that happens, like say, say to yourself, where has this thought come from? Uh, send it back to where it came from if you can identify it. But <laughs> but but really, it's um it's amazing because that's cellular memory. I believe it's it's sort of ingrained and it's embedded in us because that's what dad did and that's what his dad probably did and so forth. You know, and and his dad was probably a victim of war. So um. So yeah, so it's that, that trauma and that, that sort of um, the ability just to, to, to bottle up that we actually default back to. Well, all the guys that we work with, um, and one of the things we assist them to get is self-awareness. 
And once you start asking that question, then you just look at it from a practical point of view, right? I'm a very practical guy. Um, so it's pretty obvious if you look at the universe that we live in, there are two main forces in this universe. One force is uh, a force that makes things grow and expand and become more like in a tree or even our own bodies, right? It forces the cells to split and expand. And no scientist is able to define that force or uh, really explain it at this point in time. Equally, you've got another force which does exactly the opposite. It makes things die. Mm. And in, our, in us as human beings, with our consciousness and with our awareness, you can equally see those two forces at work in us. And over the centuries, they've been called various things. I tend to call one force the divine and the other force the ego. Mm. And those forces operate inside the mechanism that we call the mind. And that is really a tool to be used. And the mind is something, Aaron, that we either learn to control or it, learn, or it will control us. Yeah. It's just that simple. Mm. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, it is, Brett. And uh, I, I always like, you know, the heart to me is, is where the truth comes from and if you have, a, if you have a, a decision to make and you ask a question, if it comes back with heaviness, then it's the wrong one. If it comes back with lightness, then it's the right one. I believe that's really what your heart is, uh, is guiding you towards. Would you agree? Absolutely. But I think it's a journey, you know, to get to that place where you can recognise the difference between uh, what your mind is saying to you and what your heart is saying. Um, leading you to or indicating to you and understanding how the mind functions so you know buddha called it the monkey mind and what he meant by that is that thoughts just come in and then they go and everybody that i you know everybody has at times just suddenly stopped and gone where the hell that thought come from yes but that is such a weird thought why why am i even thinking that Mm, mm. why am i even thinking that like you suddenly start thinking about a pink ice cream or you know, just something really random. And it's just yeah. like, where the hell did that thought come from? Yeah. Well, it's a function of what we would call the ego. And if you can understand the mind in this way, it's like um, having a computer with a split hard disk on it. One side is Windows operating system, and the other side is uh, Apple iOS oper- mm-hmm. operating system. Mm-hmm. And those two systems don't talk to each other. So one side stores all the good things that happen to us, and one side stores all the bad things that happen to us. And if you go into your ego, into the storage of all the bad stuff, and listen to that, the solution that it gives you. So as an example, right, I was um, five years of age, and I was madly, I uh, had this crush on this little girl that lived down the road. <laughs> and I invited her to my fifth birthday party, and she came. And, um, you know, she came and wore this pretty white dress with a big pink ribbon around it and she sat at the end of the the table whilst we cut the cake and as we were doing that she got up and she left and at five i followed her out and stood on the footpath and watched her walk away walking back down to her house now when those things happen from a conditioning point of view we ask ourselves three emotional questions not logical questions but emotional questions and I said to myself, well, why is, she, what, what is she doing? Well, she obviously doesn't like me. That's why she's left. And then the next question that comes up is, well, how does that feel? Well, that feels unloved. And the third question that comes up is, what am I going to do about it? Mm. And the answer was, I'm going to chase her. I'm going to make her like me. So for the next 12 years, <laughs> I chased that girl, trying to make her my girlfriend. And I would do things like um, she'd walk past my house on the way uh, to and from school. I just happened to be, you know, walking outside checking the mail. I used to walk past. It's coincidentally, Aaron. And, um, you know, I'd chat to her. But the reality was she just wasn't into me. Like she just Mm. wasn't into me as a guy. Mm. Um, But importantly, what I set up was a pattern of chasing women that would reject me. Mm. So what our ego does is it takes something like that and makes it universal. So now it's not just to that little girl. Now it's to women. And that was then backed up with some other uh, things that happened with my mother that reinforced the pattern. Mm. So now I chase women that would reject me. 
until I met Marie mm. and I overcame that pattern. Mm. So that pattern included my first wife. Yeah. I would only pick women that would dump me. And if a girl actually liked me, I would dump her. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. So that's, yeah. that's how the ego operates inside of us. And when you recognize it's a function of the mind and you start to understand the patterns, now we've got control over those patterns. And instead of, um, you know, going through relationship after relationship, or, you know, quite often as an example, I would, I would see a guy who has been hurt in relationships. So he starts dating girls and he goes through hundreds of girls, literally sometimes, mm -hmm. hundreds of girls. Or maybe if you're listening, you know, you've gone through 20 relationships and you've never found anyone yet. But you're never going to find anyone because the only girls you're dating are the ones that you will not commit to, uh, the girls that you will not fall in love with. Mm. If you met a girl that you could actually fall in love with, you would not be attracted to her, mm. is the reality. Yeah. So in their world, all women are like this. Because in their reality that they've now created from that pattern, that's the only girls they meet. Mm, amazing. Does mate. that make sense? Oh, absolutely it does. Absolutely. Yeah. God, yeah. So, so people go through life, Aaron, and they sometimes wonder, you know, why they're caught in these situations of, you know, like um, at work not succeeding or never having the confidence or as a man never being able to, you know, live your full potential. You think that's you, mm. but it's not. That's your ego, and it's completely separate inside of us, and we can see it and experience it as something separate. Once we start to, it no longer has control over us. We don't listen to the thoughts anymore, nor importantly, do we listen to the emotions that it can generate. So when I met a girl that really liked me, I would feel smothered by her. So the emotion that made me take the action of dumping her was smothering. Mm. Mm. But that emotion was lying to me. It wasn't real. I felt it, but it wasn't real as to the reality of the situation. Mm. So often when we feel not confident, the emotion that's coming up with that has come from a past experience that's in the present moment. But that emotion is lying to us, but it's making us do something and react in a certain way and get a result that we don't want mm -hmm. and don't need and don't need to be having. Once we face um, and we find the courage like you have um, and many men that, you know, work with us to face themselves and face the reality that they are not their egos. Mm. Mate, that, that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll be... Let's, let's take a step back. We think ego is being overconfidence, don't we? Like that, that's, that's, that's a portrayal that we have, you know. Oh, he's got an ego. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know he's got a big ego. Well, well, you know, the big ego uh, is, is so much more because it's, it's exactly what you described. You know, once you get back to the real self, the ego dissolves, you know, because you get back to that harmonious individual that you, you, you always were. But... All these things have been stacked on top and all these belief systems that you've uh, been able to observe and that you've taken on as your own, which really aren't your own and, and those thought patterns aren't really relevant in the present moment. Absolutely not. And we can learn as men to um, overcome those if we've got a big enough purpose. What I've seen in life, Aaron, is that if our purpose, if we can really connect with that um, reason to go and do something, as, as men, as people, we will do anything mm. if you connect to that. And what I love to see men connect to is connect to uh, their families and whatever they believe, you know, a higher power, a higher purpose inside themselves, something greater, um, you know, beyond ourselves in, in, in this universe. Mm. And when we can connect with those two reasons, that's where I see men step up and, and can completely change because I, I get it from a man's perspective it, it's like you know living in 2021 for men right now it's like most men go what, what more can i do like i'm doing everything that i think is going to make her happy i'm doing everything that i think i should be doing and yet she's still not happy mm, mm. what is it that i have to do to, to make her happy and when you start failing like that 
you just you just quit you give up mm. and they're running around doing what they think is going to make her happy but there's a huge difference between pleasing a woman but trying to please her and to actually make her happy mm. Mm. and when a woman is happy what you find is She's then more than happy to give us the time that we need as men to go off and do our stuff. Mm. Because I'm like any guy, you know, I, I like my toys. I like my time on my own. Um, I, I like my hobbies. And I like time to meditate. I like time to, you know, do what I need to do as a guy. But when we try and take that time before we've filled her up, with what I call our presence, which is us being focused on her in a very particular physical way, um, then she feels ripped off. She feels like she's not connected. And more importantly, she feels um, not heard, not understood, and hence unloved mm. by us. Yeah. God, mate, makes so much sense, hey? I just don't think... I'm hoping a lot, of, a lot of guys are listening to, to this and, and really this is sinking in because it's so so important and we, we don't actually understand it because we're too caught up in our own minds and our own lives, I guess. Well, mate, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's great to be on the podcast because this, this should be on the news. You know, we should be yeah. talking about this on talk shows. We should be talking about this all the time because once we start to get that it's actually not our fault as men, We've been conditioned into this mm. and we love our wives, we love our families, but what we've been taught does not cut it in 2021. Yeah, that's right. It just doesn't. And we're failing miserably at it at the cost of our children, at the cost of our relationships and the cost of our families. Yeah, yeah. And once we can learn how to step up into these areas and know what it is uh, to find that animal inside of us and tame that animal and learn how to be certain. You know, when I said before, like when we lift, uh, when we can learn how to lift our testosterone level up, that automatically makes her feel connected and makes her feel safe. Mm, that's right. Well, well that, that's what they Because want. over millions of years, over millions of years of evolution, women have needed to feel safe. Mm. And they feel safe in our physical presence when we learn how to be like that. And then in that physical presence, they feel heard and understood. You only need to ask any woman that question. And she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm, mm. Mate, I do too. Like, yeah, the, the whole thing. Um, I reckon a lot of guys in, in relationships too would feel unsafe. But they, they may feel that their wives are cheating on them, particularly guys that are working away from home, all that sort of stuff. And all that a male wants in a relationship is to feel safe and the same with a female, they want to feel safe. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think for women that feeling of safety is one that's built in and, and often men misunderstand their actions and what they do and the questions they ask. So as men, we talk uh, facts. We're very interested in factual information. Whereas women talk emotionally and they're very indirect. So men are very direct, Aaron, mm. with our language. Mm. Women are very indirect. Um, so it might be something like, oh, wow, that restaurant really looks interesting. Meaning, let me translate for a man, you shit, you haven't taken me out in the last three months. <laughs> when are you going to get off your fat ass and take me out on a date? Yeah, 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 yeah. And men just don't get it. Like... You know, I'm a guy, I get it. We, we just don't get it. Mm. You know, we don't understand that that's what they're saying to us and we don't understand that language that they're using. So often the breakdown of a relationship is a misunderstanding communication. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, mate. It, uh, it just makes... Look, you, you think about it, Brad. Like, why do we get into relationships? I'd say that 95% of guys get in because they've got insecurities within themselves they're looking for that mm -hmm. that security in someone else. So there's there's fuck up, you know, uh, number one. Um, and then that, that will inevitably, inevitably will, will result in, you know, a honeymoon period of, of, you know, all this great sex and all these good things going on. But eventually after a year or two when things settle down, you realise that all the stuff that you're doing um, – has worn off and uh, then you go back into you know that provider mode or whatever 
that's when the, the, the that's when issues start to happen and um because we haven't got the so self, self-awareness to, to deal with it, then we, we start to self-abuse and then we start to get angry and then all of a sudden, you know, the relationship starts to become volatile and um, these are the skills that we, we, we just don't really appreciate and understand. And the thing is, Aaron, those skills are not that difficult to acquire. That's what I mean in terms of a man, you know, increasing his capacity to be able to deal with all these different things that we need to deal with in 2021. Mm. And yes, we do come into the relationship, you know, with those insecurities, which is the stuff that we've got through the conditioning, Mm. but we can overcome those because once we transition from boyfriend, girlfriend, once we go to commitment, then it's almost like the uh, CD tape or the, you know, the hard disk starts to uh, run and now we run the pattern of husband-wife. Mm. Mm. That's right. And where do we get that pattern? From what we, you know, observed when we were kids. And it starts to run automatically in the background without us thinking about it. So we start doing what we think is going to work, but invariably, as you say, doesn't. And then you see the relationship start to break down between 7 and 15 years. Mm. And... We get in, we either survive past that period um, as a relationship that essentially is dead. You know, the, the love that was there in the beginning seems to have disappeared. And the reality is we've stopped feeling in love. We know we're in love. But once we remove that conditioning, that love feeling comes back straight away. Mm. I've seen it now thousands of times with couples mm. and it's amazing how you know like we had a, a couple um from sydney come over and they've been living uh, separately for two years came and did one three-day event um using the format that you and i have just been talking about and rick uh so the guy was um depressed uh had quit his uh his business um, like I say, because there's nothing worse for a guy than failing at your family. Mm. And then as you fail at your family, you feel like you're failing as a man. Mm. So then you give up. So he quit. He just stopped running his business. Mm. And he still wanted his family back. He was still fighting for them, but he didn't have the skills. So after acquiring the skills, started his business up again, moved back together with his wife, and it's just a completely different story. And she now sees the guy that she married. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? I, it I, th- is. I think about when my wife and I got married and how she had tears in that in her eyes. And, you know, she was really yep. joyful. And, and yep. yeah, like I still was a bit insecure too, I think, at the time. But I loved her. And um, um, I think about it. And I was, yeah, I, I don't know. But... Like I, I had some, some healing underneath that I needed to do, um, I reckon, before I actually got into a, you know into that situation. But at the same time, that, that marriage was, was very good and it probably should have lasted if I had about the tools and the, the knowledge that you're, you're talking about now. But I believe, Brett, like you, I think about it now. My dad had very few relationships. He was, um, he was pretty good with regards to my mum had quite a few and she had a lot of trauma with regards to relationships. And yep. I, I think that got passed on to me in some way, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, that is... Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, when we're talking about modelling, you know, we model our parents. We don't model what they, they tell us to do. You know, if you've got kids, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can tell the kids as much as you like. doesn't mean they're going to do it. Mm. So, but what we do model is their emotional reaction. So you can even pick up um, a parent's fear of a relationship because it's one thing to be in a relationship it's another to actually let yourself feel loved in that relationship if you've got a fear of it yeah absolutely absolutely to actually let it in to really feel it and i know with marie you know when i got into my relationship with her i made that choice i made that choice to fully let marie in and fully love her whether it worked out or not yeah, and unknowingly at the time, Aaron, unknowingly at the time, I really set myself up for success. Mm. 
because nobody is going to run away from someone who truly is open to them and truly is loving them. Mm. No one runs away from that. Mate, that's, so uh, you're really setting yourself up for success when you can get to the point you can actually do that. When you can be open and surrender to it. Absolutely. Oh, and that's hard if you've been through some trauma where you've been hurt in relationships because it's like getting kicked off a horse. Mm. Next time, you're going to be a little cautious getting back on that horse. Mm. The problem is, if you get into a relationship and you're a little cautious with your partner, they feel that. Mm. Because um, University of California, Los Angeles, did a study back in the 1950s, and they said that 93% of communication is non-verbal. In other words, the words are just 7%. The rest of it is all the unspoken language that we send at each other. And you can feel that in a partner when they're pulling away from you. So if you're a little you know, cautious in a relationship, your partner feels that. What do they do? Well, they'd actually pull back too. Mm-hmm. And so- suddenly you've got this dynamic of both partners pulling away from each other when really what we're in it for is to be loved. Mm. Yeah, so and yeah. men want love just as much as a woman. Men want love definitely as much as a woman wants mm-hmm. love. But the way that we experience love is not the same. You know, women like to be treated nicely and they like to be listened to. And like I said, universally, when a woman is listened to and understood, they feel loved. As men, when we are supported, when we feel that she has our back, when we feel that she fully supports. Mm. Mm. Mate, I... I, I I think what, what happened to me, and this is probably pretty much testament to a lot of marriages, is I, I was I was afraid to, to, to be loved, I guess, um, if that makes sense. Uh, I know it was there, but I, I know that I, I was like, you know, I wouldn't allow it in because I'd be guarded. And I was never told by either of my parents that I was loved, you know. Um, uh, you know that wasn't that wasn't never discussed. So love wasn't part of my life, and um, to to feel uh, that from someone else was nice. But I didn't really know how to uh, receive it. I suppose. Does that make sense? Go. Yep. Yeah. So I, I totally get that, Aaron. It's like. If we have that experience of love from the two people that are meant to give it to us unconditionally, and the truth, of course, is our parents did the best they could, right, with what they had. But if that's our experience of it, then now the ego takes it and makes that experience universal. So it goes from our parents to the woman we want to be in love with. And if love is unsafe, then we do find it difficult. Mm. And... It's unfortunate that as men, we don't have these conversations amongst ourselves, understanding that this is a tool, this is a skill that we need to be able to let love in and to give it um, both to our, our wife and to our kids in full measure without holding it back or making it conditional on, you know, performance or conditional in any way. Mm. And once we can do that as men, uh, life is just different. I think as you, you know, said to me earlier, this should have been taught to us uh, in year 12. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, mate, and it would have saved all a hell of a lot of pain and problems. Oh, mate, I've been saying for years we were never taught how to be fathers, husbands, um, you know, all these sorts of things. It was just really educated to support the economy, spat out, and uh, away you go, fend for yourself. And that's why we're having so many of the issues that we're having now. Absolutely, and I want to encourage men to get that we need these skills, you know, and 20% of it is the strategies that I'm talking about. 80% of it, making it effective and getting the results we want, is dealing with our own emotions, and we've got to be able to do that. We've got to learn how to do that, and in doing that, we then increase our capacity to deal with everything. So our concept of the kingdom is, isn't just dealing with the relationship. It's then dealing with the treasury, meaning what we earn mm. and how we invest what we earn. Mm. It's dealing with uh, what I call the dojo, which is our fitness and our health, two separate areas. Mm. Dealing with the heirs, our kids, and how we raise them. How do we show the kids what morals and what values we want them 
to be able to adopt? How do we give them resiliency growing up to be able to deal with things in their life when we're not around? Mm. Um, in the boudoir, in the bedroom, how do we make sure that we've got great connection there? Uh, how do we make sure that that area um, of our life is just as important as the communication, the verbal communication, is to women? Because women need to talk, to connect, to want to make love. Men need to make love to connect. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If we make love, we do not feel connected to our woman. Mm, mm, mm. But we've got to talk to her first, give her that capacity for her to offload all the words so she can de-stress, because no woman wants to make love when she's stressed. Mm. So she's got to de-stress first, feel connected, then she wants to make love. Mm. Mm. And I'm not talking about having sex. I'm talking about making love. There's a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I just think, yeah, as, yeah, as guys, we've, we've been so conditioned uh, away from that and understanding what that actually is, you know. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the temple, which is our area of our beliefs and how we form those beliefs, how we making up, how we making sense of the world and how we make sense of it then determines how we react. Are we reacting in the right way to the events that happen? Mm. And we've got a great saying, and the saying is, it's never the event, it's how we react to the event. Mm. Mm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, well, it's... it's, it's, it's so. shit, shit happens. Shit yeah. happens in our lives. That's yeah. going to happen. That's life. That's this universe that we live in. That's what it's like. But how are you reacting to the shit? Do you, do you lose your own shit? Or do you have better coping skills to be able to deal with it, step up into certainty, know how to tame the animal and use the animal to meet that challenge? Mm, that, that's true. And uh, you mentioned before about the animal needs to be tamed rather than suppressed. It's so critical now for men. And politically, culturally, that animal is now seen as toxic masculinity, you know, is the buzzword for it. Mm. And it's not. It is when it's used inappropriately, but when it's tamed and used as a man, as a king, it is essential, Aaron. It is absolutely essential to create a kingdom and create a safe family. Mm, interesting. I love that analogy, you know, and there's no ego in that, Brett. You know, I don't no. believe that's a framework. You know, that's a framework to say, well, this, this, is, this is my role, these are the tools and these are the people that are part of this kingdom, I suppose, if you, if you look at it that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. As a man, role is a protector. Mm. And women want us to be that. You know, I hear it all the time from women in Australia, in the United States. It doesn't matter what culture we come from. Women want us to be protectors. That doesn't mean we're better than them. It's just different roles. Mm. Mm. And that's okay. We are different. We're equal, but we're different. Mm, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. But I guess as guys, we are so confused with what our role is. We just, uh, you know, to go back to the, the, the first part of the conversation is just being the provider and the one that uh, brings the income in and pays the bills and, and suppresses and keeps repeating <laughs> around in that vicious cycle, I suppose. Absolutely. And, you know, our mothers back after, um, you know, World War Two, God bless them, you know, when, when the, the kids were born and particularly the boys, um, they were precious, mm. right? Mm. So we, that generation got over mothered. Mm. And I mean that in a really nice way. Our mothers, you know, wanted, we were precious and they did the very best. However, what they created is a complete generation of men that then had an expectation their wives were going to do the same thing. Mm. Mm, that's and true. that's now passed down. Men now expect their wives are going to run around mothering them. Mm, mm, that's and that is just not going to happen. I, I remember my mum saying that, you need a woman that mothers you. And, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like I never found that. My wife was, was very much, you know, she was really good, but... But then she, you know, sort of said, well, no, you've got to start doing your own shit. I'm sick of doing everything around the house here. And, and when, when, when we had kids and all that, I expected her to keep doing that while I was, you know, at work all the time. And, um, yeah, I never actually realised or appreciated what she was going through as an individual, you know. 
Absolutely. And, and she did that from the love that was in her heart. Mm. But the problem is that our ego then takes that and then makes it universal and expects that our wife is going to do the same thing. Mm. And as men, that weakens us. And I'm not talking about, you know, being some macho bullshit, you know, um, whackhead in the, in the gym. Mm. I'm just talking about it weakens us in terms of our ability to have capacity to deal with everything. Mm. Mm. That we somehow can't, that we can't pay the bills, we can't take the rubbish out, we can't connect with our kids and know where our kids are emotionally, we, we can't deal with our wife's emotions. We can deal with it all, Aaron. Mm. We have that capacity inside of ourselves. Mm. That's true. As men. Yeah, amazing. We could, when it's unleashed and we, we let it go and we fully allow it to be there inside of ourselves, we can do it all. Mm, mate, I, I'm thinking like you know as, as we're going here, but but yeah, you're right. Um, like I saw my my mum do everything for my dad, you know. And when I I expected my partners and wife to do that for me too, you know. Um, but that was the war war here uh, area. Like dad was born in thirty two, mum was born in twenty eight. Um, Absolutely, you know. So that was that. That's the way it was. Dad's dad went to World War One and. Um, you know all those uh, all those sort of um, belief systems which, which were passed passed down and um, yeah things have changed and when, when a guy's challenged about not pulling his weight or not doing anything he sort of puts his wall up um, you know I think that's probably changing a bit but me a bit now but uh, it was pretty common but um, um, yeah I just think there's, there's so much we can do to learn to co totally. co cooperate co and collaborate to be able to you know make our lives successful so we don't have the issues that we're experiencing in modern society today. I agree. And I'm totally not criticising men. I'm encouraging men to find their capacity. I'm a guy. I get it. I, I, I watched my mother uh, do exactly what you were talking about. My dad would come home from work. In those days, you had a little a pay packet, mm. you'd pull out your pay slip with all the notes rolled around it. Yep. He'd hand it to her, she'd peel off, you know, a few bills, that was his beer money. Yes. And she'd take care of the rest. Absolutely. I remember that well, my word. And that whole thing that we witnessed called to a lack of capacity that somehow as men we we couldn't take care of it. But we didn't have the skills to be able to deal with it. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just expected everything done, like all the financial side done for me. And when I, when I, when I expected to see money there that wasn't there, I'm saying, where the hell is that all gone? You know, but uh, I was the same. Yep. Like I, I would, we wouldn't be uh, through, through cash. It'd be through what goes through the bank. I'd never, never question that. My wife would take care of it, but um, uh, it wasn't a co-collaboration. It was like your role's doing this and my role's doing that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I hope the guys listening to this um, can really relate to, you know, what we're talking about and, and get that as men now, we need to rise. We need to learn how to increase our capacity and take back the, the power that we actually do have to lead our families mm. in the right way. Mm. Yeah, mate, amazing, Brett. I'm, I'm so grateful we've had this conversation. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that get a lot from it. And um, I, I really want people to reach out to you, mate, because what you've just explained in this hour has been so profound. And obviously, you've got so much more behind this. So what is the name of your organisation? How can people get hold of you? Sure. Well, thanks, Aaron. Um, so it's called Relationship Warrior, and they can find us at relationshipwarrior.org. They can also find us on Facebook. We've got two uh, Facebook groups. So Relationship Warrior Code is the Facebook group, if they want to join that. That's for men and women. Mm. And we've got, um, we've got Warrior Man Crucible, uh, strictly for men. Mm. Right. So that's Warrior Man Crucible on Facebook and the groups uh, that men can join where our, our content is directed, uh, directed directly to men. Right, unreal. I'll be I'll be looking at that myself. 
<laughs> Good on you, mate. Oh, there's, there's, there's plenty, plenty of wisdom to be shared, I would have thought, uh, amongst a collaboration like that. So that sounds really, really awesome, Brett. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and, you know, I've learned so much over the last hour, you know, so much more beyond than the Brett Jones I knew before today. So I'm so thankful for that and uh, I'm sure there's going to be many more conversations we'll have in the future and uh, I know where I'll be going if I need some guidance with regards to a relationship in the future or any any, any um, questions or, you know, uncertainty that I'm, I'm going through. So I appreciate it. Look, Aaron, thank you as always so much for hosting me. You know, it's, it's an honour to be on the show and to have the opportunity to, to spread that message uh, for families and for men. Mm, thanks, mate. Guys, thank you for joining in, uh, and girls. That was a pretty profound uh, hour. Uh, lots of deep stuff and stuff that we don't understand and know with regards to ourselves and our relationships. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to listen to this over uh, again a couple of times, I reckon, just to let things sink in. But I really appreciate this if you could share it with others because there's so much that, uh, that we can learn um, out there about what Brett's mentioned over the last hour. And I really encourage you to uh, touch base with him, relationshipwarrior.org. Um, look at his website and check out the work that he does. And um, yeah, you might be able to hook into that. This is the stuff that I needed to know when I was married. My, my wife took me to a counsellor and uh, when we were sort of going through a bit of a rocky period at the end and I didn't find that valuable at all. But you know, going to something like what Brett's just explained would have been so much more um, better. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. anyway, it's, uh, it's life, isn't it? And um, we go through peaks and troughs and I think if we can... Un- um, uh, embrace some of the wisdom like Brett's, what, 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 what Brett's just explained, then I think our marriages and our relationships are going to be better and we're going to be indivi- better individuals in the long uh, long haul. So if you want to reach out uh, to me, please support outbackmind.com.au to provide some feedback. New website's out, uh, outbackmind.com.au. Uh, and, uh, yeah, appreciate um, you sharing the podcast with others and some more awesome guests coming on over the next few days. Cheers.